Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. What's poppin' congregation? It's your girl, Lacey Mosley, a.k.a. Scam Goddess, and we're back for another edition of Scam Goddess. And I am what? Yes, very. What? Yes, excited. Excited for today's guest. I really am. Um, I have done his podcast. Like, I, This man is so funny. Um, I recently have had the pleasure to realize that he will be writing words for me. He is an actor. He's an amazing comedian and writer, and he's currently writing on season two of iCarly. So, guys, congregation, please welcome Elliot Glazer. Thank you. And Elliot, oh my God. I, what is that podcast called again, Why is it not on here? It's called You're Making It Worse. You're Making It Worse. It's a really <laughs> funny podcast. I had a really great time with you guys. So um, Thank you. Yes, yes. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm sure I did for having make me. it worse. Very, no, you made it just fine. <laughs> Come on, just fine. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Woo. Yeah, that's for the Mary heads in the crowd. All right, uh, Elliot, we're probably going to get sued. Mary, I hear her boots stomping towards my door right now. Um, <laughs> is she? Does she have, um, is she litigious? No, probably not as much. You know, one of her husbands scammed her and ran off with a lot of her coins. Oh, my God. That's right. Oh, my God. Poor Mary. You can't well, be marrying no yeah. sexy broke man. Sexy broke men know what they're doing, <laughs> just like sexy broke women. You can't do that. I like, love her so much. Y'all got to be equally broke. If y'all both broke, that's great. We're not going to split at the end of the day, like the Hunt's ketchup bottle in the in the, in the the fridge, just maybe some mustard, you know, who's who's going to get uh, that, that one egg skillet, you know, the skillet you can fry one egg in, like who's going to get that? You know, like that's the kind of divorce I want. I don't want a yeah, divorce where it's like... <laughs> You want kitchen supply divorce. Yes, kitchen supply divorce. Bitch, don't nobody want no mansion divorce. Don't nobody want no damn who go get the boat. Like, who go get the baby? Half off the baby? No. That's really scary stuff, though. Like, I'm, I feel like everybody is like the child of divorce, you know, at least in like the 90s and on. Mm-hmm. Every, like, divorce is so common, but. I can't imagine that it's like any less painful for anybody, any couple to have to actually go through like break, like breakups destroy me. If a breakup destroys me, I can't even imagine the idea of like going through lawyers. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. it just, it's wild. It's crazy to me. 
And it brings out the worst in people. Like, divorce makes it people ugly. To. When the coins oh are in play, honey, the assets are getting hidden. You know, people are coming after everything you've ever made. Like, that's uh, that's a little too much for me. I will say the only divorce that I've been a part of, I'm not going to get, like, too specific with this because it ain't y'all business, but it was very chill. I just remember putting mm. on some overalls and then I just never saw Mr. Tim again. And I, that was cool. Well, that's great. That's great. You weren't too, it wasn't too traumatic for you. No, no. I was like, bye. <laughs> see y'all. Yeah, see, in my head, it would be like just a, a form of, I mean, I'm, honestly, I'm just basing it on everything I've seen on like The Good Wife and The Good Fight. So mm-hmm. I'm just basing it on Christine Baranski. But, you know, it sound, it just sounds torturous. No, I have a lot of friends who've been divorced, like uh, kind of a millennial thing. Like that first marriage hits a little too young. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's and- right. <laughs> You try to do what your mom and your daddy told you to do, and then you're like, wait a damn minute. I don't want to be with your ass. I don't feel like I know too many divorced people, but maybe that's like also a straight. I I think that's probably more of a straighter thing, you know, divorced, whereas. The gays aren't getting divorced? I don't know. I feel like gay divorce is is a thing, but it's not as prevalent as straight. Obviously, like the the because I feel like after off, Prop but... Eight passed, the girls were probably getting a little too excited, and you know <laughs> they overcorrected. The court, everybody was lit at the courthouse. You know, they went to the Abbey, then they went to the L.A. County Courthouse. You know, yes. after like seven mimosas, and then <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, it, yeah, it, it definitely popped off. If you were looking to be committed, <laughs> guys or, were like, "What? Uh, no, 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 not interested." All right. Okay. Well, that's true. Like the culture is a little different when it comes to different. commitment, for sure. Honestly, better. Like, but I'm all about it. I'm all about domesticating, and you know. Oh, are I'm, you? I am. Yes, I very much want, Elliot, I want that. Okay. Yes. Yes. You trying to? You trying to be wife? You trying to be a kept man? You trying to be husband? <laughs> Absolutely. You trying to get the government involved in your love life? <laughs> that's right. I just want the paper. Right. That's the thing. I just want to like, certify. I, and honestly, I don't really fuck with the government, so marriage is becoming less and less appealing. I'm like, so now we, we've been boning a lot, and now we're going to get the government involved? I feel like, I, I get, I get that argument. I really do. I get that argument, and I understand that the part of me that wants, that craves, like, domesticated marriage is, like, yes. steeped in, like, pilgrims and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I have so, shame. Bitch, I love you. Call Uncle Sam. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Call Uncle Sam. He got to get involved because we in love. I don't know. I feel like I just want the party, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want the party, too. Because you get to have a whole weekend. You get to make people fly out, get hotels, spend money on dresses, match your swimsuits. They got to buy your penis uh, straws. They got, you know, (laughs) everything. And, And you get to basically run them for a short period of time, you know, own them. Yeah. I just want something. I don't even care about the party. I just want to be like... I, I'm I'm very like uh, uh, I I want to feel I'm very like deep about it. I want like to feel the warmth and joy of like speaking my love into into uh, into reality in front of my friends and like it's very romantic to me. Even though I feel like it's all de- you know steeped in in creepy traditions and like yeah, deep deep is. deep white supremacy. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, um, <laughs> without a know. doubt. Owning a woman. As everything you know? is. Yes, exactly. Boy, oh boy. Well, okay, so, Elliot, I have to ask you, like, what's your relationship with scams? Have you ever been scammed? Like, have you run a scam? Do you hate scams? Do you like them? It could literally be anything. 
I've, I'm, I'm not, I, I haven't been a scammer myself, but um, this might be pretty basic, but I am interested in um, the MLMs of it all. I think mm. MLMs are fascinating. Um, and my favorite scam in thinking about it for the podcast was the Psychic Friends Network. I don't know if you're, it was like Dionne Warwick. Oh, Lord, like, don't bring Sis <laughs> D out of here. Listen, me and her niece follow each other now, child. Oh, uh, no. Lord, Miss Dionne, shout out to Dionne. She, she still gets shit for that. And she'd be clapping back. Yes. Dion's very oh, active wow. on Twitter. Oh, I love I love her on Twitter. I Although feel bad her, for saying yeah. Dion. Miss Dion. I can't do that to my auntie. Respect. <laughs> it's fair. You gotta be that's right. But okay, so be. tell me about that. Like, why does that intrigue you? I just think it's like what a wild moment. I mean, between like the Psychic Friends Network and then also the like televangelists of that era, the scammers like Jim Baker, Tammy Baker, like mm-hmm. um all the, the televangelists who got like the, the 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 connection between Dionne Warwick and like psychics and psychic friends and also like these televangelists getting you to send money their way like all of it is so odd to me and like miracle spring like a, that's right it just seems like such a clear scam and I can't believe so many people fell for it. Well, I think that in our country because we know the government is just gonna fuck us and we know that you know there's really no safety that we're all on the tightrope and at the bottom is just flames um there's no net i think that people really rely on hope or like having mm. some kind of feeling of positivity when all the because the math ain't never math in america ever you're right you know so at yep. a certain point you gotta just be like i don't know magic jesus right and his magic that's you know? right. <laughs> that's my. That's the literally like that's how my therapist has put it. He said like, you know, the idea of like faith and religion and people relying on it. It it's it's a way to make sense of life. Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't have that, then you could you could if you don't have that or you don't have the ability to sit with that, then all you have is hopelessness. And, and that's so, harder to sit with. And, and that's I, harder to sit with. I am a Christian. I, you know, my mother would drag me if I didn't say something about me just saying Jesus and his chonklas. But, you know, he could put them shits on and come back. You know, it's like, it's time, girl. Do you see what's happening? Like, pull up, you know? Um, But I think the reason that I'm really religious is because otherwise, like, where's the hope? You know, if you really... yes. You know, like, I don't necessarily believe everything in the Bible is factual. However, you know, how do you get up every morning and get your ass out of bed when life is just pointless? You know, right. so and everybody needs something. Yes. And, and look, I mean, it may not be religion. It might be, you know, Prozac. Well, I've heard about, right. about Prozac. But it might be Will Brucher. And it might be, you know, That's whatever right. the girls need. Um, and for you, it might be running. It might be, you know, doing something that gives you hope and, and, and a sense of purpose, whatever that is. So, yeah. But I think there's a difference between, like, having faith and and using religion as a way to like give a like course give your life a course and a trajectory but then you look at people like Jim and Tammy Baker and and it's like the idea of mixing using religion as a way to just take money from people is so so deeply dark and and the darkest of scams. But it's also brilliant because... Brilliant, yes. It's it's almost brilliant. infallible, logic-wise, because, you know, everyone hopes to be in a financial situation where they don't have to worry about where the next meal is coming from, where rent is coming from. So if you see people who are steeped in religion and they become rich, that almost becomes life-affirming of, like, if I live my life for God, maybe I'm going to have coins like Tammy and them, too. Yes, yes. You know? I think the idea is, like, I think everybody, especially in America, thinks that they're, like... 
almost like it's 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 almost Trumpy. The idea that like just like him or just like the Bakers or something, they're you're on the precipice of being super wealthy, and like tying that into religion is brilliantly brilliantly uh, manipulative. Who is that Houston mega church white guy? Um, Joe Austin. Joel Austin. Perfect yes. example. Man's got mansions on mansions. Man is dripped down, dripped too hard, okay? Swag, <laughs> okay? Ragu, swagu. And, you know, people follow him because they believe, like, oh, this man must be brilliant. Like, look at what he's done with the just the help of God and all of mm-hmm. our coins. Um but then when, you know, they had those hurricanes in Houston and they had those floods, he closed the doors of his church when people were like, people could be housed in here, they could be refuge. That's a fundamental of religion. It's like, it's supposed to be about charity. That's the reason that churches don't pay taxes. Even though I'm like, sis, what are y'all giving back? Like, put it on the ledger. I went to a great church that w- we definitely gave back. My pastor wrote a recommendation letter for me for college. Mind you, our congregation was like thousands of people. Like, he was mm. really like in it. Uh, shout out to Reverend Joshua Shiloh missionary but like that's not every pastor like when Mm-mm. he was supposed to open the doors he closed them it was like yeah I mean it's, that's the height of hypocrisy it's like here's the church here's the steeple Joel was like ah uh, no people <laughs> <laughs> I just think there's like I mean I, I think there is a clear divide between people who are who practice religion like like your pastor like people who are in it for the right reasons and then the people who can use it and manipulate it against their own followers. Like that mm-hmm. is the part that's just like Jimmy Swaggered or like, um, I don't know, Jerry Falwell or there's, I forget the name you of the You know guy. a lot of the girls. You know I love them. I love dropping them. names. Okay. Well, there's one of them who likes, who's famous for like, not just use mis misappropriating like the finances, but actually bragging about how like Jesus gave him the, his like private jet and like people continue to give him money. It's like, I don't know if Jesus gave, I think it was us. We just had, <laughs> right? We sent offerings. I don't know if that was Jesus. I think it was us. <laughs> but that's to your point. But that to your point, like it's like people giving him money because he's like proven that there's wealth is like, a. it's just a very American thing to think that if you follow, you're going to get the same thing. Right. Also, a lot of people who are deeply religious, and this is not all people, but a lot of people, it's like a status thing. It's like if I don't have money or talent or traditionally good looks or any of those things, I can at least put my foot on the people's neck with morality. Morals I don't really follow if we look closely, (laughs) but I put my foot on your motherfucking neck with my morals whenever I want to feel better, you know? Yeah, it's it's really, it's uneven. It's really uneven. You know who was also a great, great scammer? Um, Pat Robertson. Uh. obsessed I'm obsessed with that guy he is like the most vitriolic anti-gay like he is I mean he's just this guy is on TV like I think every single day he's like barely alive anymore but he still manages to get it together to just preach some of the the worst possible stuff and it just comes so easy for him and it's it's just steeped in hypocrisy and also it's old i'm like how do you listen to that man every day talk about the same shit even in like these religions that you know uh, oh abortion is wrong being gay is wrong you know all these things um Okay, it's old. Like, we've been, y'all been talking about this since the, what, the fire and brimstone days? Y'all don't got no new people to hate. Like, <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. Like, what are you If why you are get you a bob haircut with black underneath and blonde on top, you're going to hell. Like, give us some mm. new hate. Give us something yeah. different. Like, but why are they upset? Like, that's the thing. Like, what what are they obsessed with? Why they are they stay obsessed? in gay people business. They stay they really in gay do. people business for what? 
For I, what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they what they care about so much. And like even like protests and at funerals or events. I'm like, oh bro, God. you're obsessed. If you are literally Googling, where are the gays? Uh, where the Abbey? Okay, they having a parade. Great. Y'all get blessed. Come on, we're going to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> we're about to go get some paint, some puffy paint and some signs. Because we got to go oh out there and, and show the gays what's what. It's like you're dedicating so much of your life to this. For what? Oh, my God. There's this guy. <laughs> I was just obsessed with this this week. There was a story about uh, this guy who wants to, I think he's a, he wants to run for Congress in in Wisconsin, he's a Republican, and he went to a library and saw that in the kids section they had put together a display of books that were like pro LGBTQ. Just in the kids mm-hmm. section, this man went in there and threw through a full blown like hissy fit and like was essentially apparently like very not necessarily violent but like intimidating toward a young library page, a queer woman who was like eighteen or nineteen, and he threw like threw a full blown hissy fit where it seemed like it was on the verge of um of of like violence, and he wrote up a report and, and all this nonsense, and it's like, dude, what do you? Why do you care so much about other people's business? Like that is the part that's deeply terrifying because i don't know because what could he be up to what could that man be up to because i think and the pandemic really showed us this it is hard to be alone with your own thoughts for a Mm -hmm. long period of time even the best people you know it's hard and so i think those types of people are constantly looking for some way to spew out all the hate that they have towards themselves so mm-hmm. that it's not something that's just eating at them when they go to bed so he goes to bed and he's like all right i got to hit another library tomorrow got to make sure the kids can't read about the gay you know Isn't that instead crazy, of <laughs> though? what a what a waste like i just mean like what a true bizarre of time it's actually weird and life and life what we a only waste get of one life. as far as we know what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? You're wasting your time, like, crying to a kid, to, like, a queer kid about books, about kids. You're in the kids section. It's so What are you creepy. doing in there? What, what are you, are do- you doing in there? Kids. How you even get over there? <laughs> so, you know, and yeah. let's get into our first segment. What's hiding fraud uh, other than these weirdos? Um, so we got a letter. Um, I need a fake name, Elliot, for this person. Okay. Uh, I'll give you the name, um, Oliver. Oliver. May I have some more pork? It just takes me right to <laughs> Oliver Twist. So, God. So, Oliver says, love the show. Oh, some nice stuff. I'm reading it, but I don't ever read it on the show. I don't know why. I just, like, it's nice for me, though. I like to read what y'all say. So, it says, I just wanted to share an interesting scam that happened at an antique mall on the West Coast. The mall is a large building where antique dealers can rent or buy a space in which to sell items, and I'm one of the dealers there. Some years ago, there was a guy who sold vintage porcelain and metal signs, as well as car memorabilia. He had some very expensive signs, like a big gasoline station sign, Sinclair, Essos, etc., and other car signs like Cadillac, Hudson, Ford, etc. These types of signs are highly collectible, and people buy them like crazy, even though the prices are typically hundreds or thousands of dollars. He was selling a ton of old signs, or at least signs that appeared to be authentic. However, the staff at the Antiques Mall started getting complaints from customers that the signs were identical to reproduction signs that are new but made to look vintage. I guess there was a subtle thing that I can't identify, but like there was a difference between the true antique sign and the one that were made to look old. The staff asked the dealer to write on his tags that these signs were reproductions, and if he did not, they were going to kick him out of the space. This went on for months. The dealer insisted the signs were real and refused when even presented with evidence. He eventually took the signs and left the mall, never admitting that he was in the wrong. So, 
She said she wanted to share this with the listeners because there's a quite a bit of scamming that goes on in the antique and collectibles world. And buyers should really be careful to check out items at antique stores and carefully make sure that they're really old. Valuable pieces are not just some vintage look or reproduction item in China. Sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference. As a dealer myself, I never claim something is authentic unless I know that it is. Let the buyer beware. So I'm of two minds here. One mind don't, you know, you shouldn't be trying to pass off shit. You know, you putting tea on it, you putting it in the oven, you, you, you know, putting a little dust on it, you know, to, to make it look old. <laughs> but also, like, vintage collecting always kind of weirds me out as a black person because it's like, you want stuff from an olden time and those times were never good for black people. Like, there's a joke that Quinta Brunson wrote on BuzzFeed forever ago that was like, they're like, a white person was like, if y'all could go back in time, like, where would you go? And she was like, the future, bitch, I'm black. Well, I won't, I don't want to go back to yesterday. It's bad. Right. Like, <laughs> right. When people like, talk nostalgically about like the past or like the good old days, it's like, yeah, for you, for it was you? good. For you, it would have been good for you, not for anybody else. It's weird. It's like a yeah. clear indication that you have no awareness of anybody else's human experience but your Mm-mm. own. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see an old school water fountain. That just reminds me of my people getting hosed or having to walk through the back. You know how many people probably got some vintage like colors only signs and shit. That's a re- well. That's a real. Th- that's a real thing. Like th- those that niche of like creepy weird old like racist paraphernalia is so scary i mean i remember in college going to a friend's house and it was like upstate and they were like normal people and like i thought like normal liberal people and in like mm. my friend's kitchen i saw the like I, I don't it was like those dolls that those like statues that were like blackface basically mm-hmm. you know those that like art style and i was like why do you have that in your home it was so terrifying to me and i wanted you know it was like yikes it just freaked me the fuck out i'm like what do you want that for like what, like, are what these do you your ancestors you're like watch over me racist keep, <laughs> keep my privilege like i don't it's just like the chances of you getting something that is old that wasn't either stolen or owned right. by people who are super fucked up is so yes. rare. Yes. That's why I always thought the Antiques Roadshow was so interesting. It's like, oh, my grandmother had this in the <laughs> 1800s. I'm like, can I show up to the 1800s and be like, or to the Antique Roadshow and be like, hi, I am also an antique. People owned <laughs> right. me and my family. Like, what? <laughs> <Right>. what? <laughs> yeah, it's a real, the, the nostalgia can get real creepy real quickly. Yeah, and look, if you like to collect old shit, like, live your life, do you? I'm not passing no judgment. But for me, it just gets a little weird sometimes. So I, uh, yeah, there's something there's something really off about I don't think there's something off about like wanting to like have like I don't know, there people love stuff that looks like old and rustic, but mm-hmm. it's it it depends on like it really depends on the era I think that you're trying to yeah. <laughs> trying to invoke. And like I understand it connects with history and some people are real big history buffs and they like to just have things that you know have existed for a very long period of time. So I definitely get the intrigue, but I'm like no, bruh. I just, I don't know. I'm looking at looking a little funny in the light. But <laughs> what do you feel but, about like, uh, like, um, not antiquing, but like, what about like thrift thrift store clothes? See, that's different for me because it's kind of eco friendly to thrifts mm-hmm. rather than just purchasing new things all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you so mix I do and thrift. Match? 
Yeah, I do thrift. I do love to thrift. I always say go to the expensive neighborhoods and thrift because the girls are, you know, throwing out the better things there. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I it's that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't completely pass judgment. I don't know who owned, you know, the vintage Chanel Espadrilles I found. I don't know who owned them. Maybe a bad lady, you know? Maybe yeah. a bad man. Maybe a bad person, you know? But... You know, so there's like there's like kind of like windows for all of that. So I'm definitely not passing judgment on it. I am like like this. I am curious also of like this woman or, you know, I think she identifies as woman, but Oliver, as we've called her, she said they threatened him. They were like, we don't think your pieces are real. Like, can you at least write that they're not or da 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 da. Antiquing people must be real nice because it sounds like y'all were like, you have to do this or leave. And he was like, no. And y'all were like, ugh, fine. And y'all just went back <laughs> to your, you know, old China sets and, and just let him live for a little while. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't know what that, like, I don't really understand the joy of deducing how old something is. Like, who, like who cares? Thing. I mean, do who care? Who cares? I, I, that I, maybe that's narcissistic, but I'm just I don't really get it. I'm, I guess unless you're like hunting for treasure, you know, it's like who? Ca- I, I don't know. I guess I get heirlooms, but other people's old stuff, I don't want it. Right. At least if it's your grannies, you're like, oh, this is grandma, great grandma, pee pop. You know, <laughs> like okay, I get that. It has some sure. familial root, but you're just like, this was some old dude in Kansas, and I now I got all his tin cups. Why? <laughs> Why do you want that? <laughs> I, I don't want that. I, I am also like very averse to like dust. I just when I th- think of like vintage stuff and antiquing, I just think of dust and like sneezing and sinus infection. And I just <laughs> I, I'm I'm not I'm out. I'm out. You know, I, I, I to each his own. You know, if you like some sure. old shit out there, we not we go we not gonna throw shade on your old shit collecting. You like to collect old shit, good for you. You know, you got fake old it. shit though. That that is to me that's depressing. Fake old shit. I mean, is it fake if you don't know it's fake? I don't know. I'm thinking of stuff like <laughs> it's stuff real my to mom you. Will- it's old to you. Yeah, I don't know if my mom like my mom has decent. No, she has good taste. But like there's there's some stuff where I'm like, no, like don't don't get something that like clearly is, you know, was made in a in a factory, but they're trying to make it look like rustic. I can't mm-hmm. handle that's very suburban, but I, I just can't stomach that. I mean, I'm from Texas, so that's like everything. Yeah. <laughs> we love to make something rustic. We love to put some rust on some new shit and be like, yeah. Voila! like, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get it. But, you know, wh- whatever y'all like. Whatever you like, okay? I know T.I. ain't gonna knock on the door because it's problematic, fucked up ass, got too much legal stuff going on. <laughs> so, we're gonna take a break and we'll be back for my favorite segment, Historic Hoodwings. Scams! Ooh, do you feel that in the air? Yes! That is summertime! It's in the breeze! It's in the trees! And y'all know when the sky comes out, (laughs) the thighs come out! And as the weather gets hotter, it's time to say bye to jackets and sweaters and hey to shorts and tees. If you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. Y'all know 
I love Quince. If you want to be looking chic year after year with classic pieces that you can dress up, dress down, wear around town, you got to get into Quince. They have premium European linen dresses. I have one in green and oh, when I wear it, it is a show stopper. Blouses, shorts from $30, y'all. Washable silk tops, which I told y'all I love those. I actually went back and got it in navy. I got it in the white like cream and I just know when I wear it, I'm going to feel like Diane Keaton on the beach thinking about my life like white cream are you kidding me it's giving rich okay quince is that girl y'all know you see me in their pieces all the time get into it get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com slash goddess for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash goddess to get free shipping and 365 day returns q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash goddess Finding the perfect t-shirt has always had me like Goldilocks, trying on shirts. This one's too hard. This one's too soft. And it fell apart because y'all know I got it from a cheap website. And this t-shirt from Skims is just right. From fit to quality, it is one of my, like, these are my favorite t-shirts. I have three different ones. Y'all know I love me an Onyx because I'm going to be wearing black all the time. Um, They have a cotton long sleeve jersey tee that I really like too because the material is so soft. But when I put it in the washer, she don't have a whole transformation or makeover. It's not move that bus when I take it out. She looks the way that she looked when I put her in. And we know we cannot say that for all t-shirts, okay? So you can have staple t-shirts that you can mix and match and wear up or down. Maybe we're going to a fancy night out. Maybe we're going on a date. Maybe we're lounging around the house. I love these shirts so much because I can do so many different things with them. It's like, I'm telling y'all, Skims, they doing right over there. I got on the underwear right now. I can't give it up. I think they got me, y'all. I'm not even playing. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select Scam Goddess in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows. We're back from my favorite segment, Historic Hoodwinks, where I am going to regale Elliot with a famous con or caper. We're going to get his opinions all throughout. Maybe we like the guy. Maybe we hate him. We don't know yet. Uh, maybe it's group criminals. And, you know, it's cute. A little boy band of uh, miscreants. We don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> That's my favorite word. I love it. Miscreant. I love You're a miscreant. <laughs> it sounds cute, you know? It does. I want it on a sweatshirt. So, Lee Israel was an author turned one of the greatest literary foragers of our time. So, we're already talking about foraging and we're already talking about fake shit, so why not continue? Needing a change of career, she fabricated hundreds of fake letters. Okay, so this is that movie that mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy. Yes. And honestly, a laboring. I didn't watch it. I saw the, tr- the preview or the trailer and was like, this looks boring. <laughs> It was like, oh, she writing letters. Oh, gotta watch her yeah. write these letters. Oh, a thrill. Like, uh, fake letters. Oh, and people want these <laughs> fake letters. Why are y'all in people business? What you want? They let they not talking to you. They not addressed to you. They're not for you. Why are you buying these letters? Oh, what a way! I mean, truly, like what a d- dusty waste. 
And that's why I love this, because I'm like, yes, girl, you better, like, rob the nosy people who want other people's letters, okay? Yeah. Postage was never assigned to you. Okay. So she fabricated hundreds of fake letters from famous figures of the past and for years evaded even the most scrupulous dealers. Her memoir, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Question mark became the source of the inspiration in 2018 film that was with Melissa McCarthy. So, about Lee. Lee was born uh, in a Jewish family in 1939 in Brooklyn. She graduated with a bachelor's degree from Brooklyn College in 1961. Lee found some success. Okay, this is Lee. Okay, Lee. Oh, okay. She's okay. So good. This yeah. polka dot shirt. This like her hands look very tired from foraging. Like <laughs> busy. Knuckles swollen. Like digits are giving foragery. She's been writing all her life. <laughs> Yeah, spindly fingers. Right. Like, she got to work out. Them hands are strong because she's been writing these letters. So Lee found some success as a freelance writer in the 60s and 70s, working for publications as the New York Times and Soap Opera Digest. What a different, very different. Yeah. In 1967, she profiled Catherine Hepburn for Esquire shortly after the death of Spencer Tracy, Hepburn's great love. Lee later sold Hepburn's tear-soaked letter about Tracy for $250. <laughs> However, she found her greatest success writing biographies. Later in the 70s and 80s, she wrote about the lives of actresses Tallulah Bankhead and journalist Dorothy Killigan, and later of which made the New York Times bestseller list in 1980. However, her third book found much less success. Hmm. So she was like, the girls aren't reading my books anymore. Mm-hmm. A little desperation she to do something. Yeah. So in 1983, the publishing company Macmillan handed Lee an advance for an unauthorized biography tell-all about cosmetics magnate Estee, Estee Lauder. I was about to say Estee. Lauder. <laughs> <laughs> so now she's about to do this for Estee Lauder. Lauder caught wind that Lee was writing the book and offered her money to drop it. Damn, Estee Lauder, what wow. you hiding? That's payola. You know, maybe maybe she's born with it. Maybe Estee Lauder got murders. Uh, you know. <laughs> What are y'all hiding? I'm confused. Like, that's quick. They got wind that somebody was writing a book, and instead of being like, oh, they gonna write a book about us, up our, you know, viewership, up our visibility, they were like, please stop right now. Yeah, and they pay, and if they offered her money, like, that's serious. Yeah, they were like, please, look, we gonna, we'll give you this money, or we will have to kill you, like all the other <laughs> people we killed before that we cannot have in the press. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And she got an advance for it, too. I mean, that mm-hmm. means it was... Maybe I guess it was gonna like get some dirt on mm. Estee Lauder. Her, uh, I would, I would guess. So Estee Lauder wrote their own memoir before hers could get out, which is also a way that they interfered because they were like, "Oh, this is the one from us." Wow. So who y'all gonna believe smart. her, that random lady, <laughs> or us? Right. Here's a memoir with a little bit of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess you know who's gonna buy two Estee Lauder memoirs. I watched both Firefest documentaries, but I don't know if I'm buying two Estee Lauder memoirs. Yeah, who? I mean, I, I didn't know anybody would care in the first place, but maybe, she, maybe she's, you know, maybe she is born with it. I, I don't know who's to say. You know, that's Maybelline. They're like, you better not write shit about us. I know. I know. <laughs> so as a result, Lee was forced. So she rushed it. Didn't work out. A lot of interference in her memoir. Can you ever forgive me? Lee said. I had never known anything but up in my career. I regarded with pity and disdain the short-sleeved wage slaves who worked in offices. I had no reason to believe life would get anything but better. She just thought that about life? That is the most privileged in And I'm like, okay. She okay. said, I was born winning, and I would look out at the pores. 
on the street. And I was like, that could never be me. <laughs> Are we supposed to like feel sad for you? <laughs> I, I get that. I'm like, okay. And, and. Like, what is, it, what is, I just don't know what that was supposed to evoke. What that sentence was supposed to evoke out of me. I'm guessing she wanted you, she wants to like get, you know, sort of, uh, uh, get you to empathize with the fact that she's about to f- pull on a scam because she was bored mm-hmm. with life. Wow. And look, Elliot can't even see these notes. And literally the next sentence is, the failure, according to Lee, was the catalyst that led her to become a mastermind of criminal forgery. Oh, wow. That's what did it. That, <laughs> I wonder if she still got that 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 um, advance, though. I'm fascinated about like a book advance. Like, how much do you think one gets for a big book like that, especially when it fails? Like, was it even worth it? Was she was she unhirable? Like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, publishing companies like she had had some good books behind her and then obviously a flop. And then this one was supposed to pop and mm. Estee got in the way of that. Right. Um, she probably should have just negotiated a deal with them. They're a big company. I would have been like, okay, well, uh, y'all at least got to quadruple this advance or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly she wasn't like some sort of, you know, she wasn't following like journalistic ethics if the, her next move was to, <laughs> if she was to refuse the bribe, but her next move was to full, pull a full-blown full blown scam. Right. She said, look, I refused the bribe. Then I started bribing people. You know, <laughs> exactly. you see how it works. Right. Y'all follow me? Y'all tracking? Okay. So the highlight of Lee Israel's career, after Estee Lauder biography failure, Lee's life collapsed around her. She already had the reputation of being an alcoholic and difficult to deal with, and recent events certainly didn't help. So I will say that I don't like alcoholic and difficult to deal with being in the same sentence. Like, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of very nice alcoholics, a lot of people who are wonderful people who are in recovery. So that's from the article. But they were just saying, like, she was hard to deal with. Mm. So she went on welfare and soon became surrounded by bills and she had a sick cat, Doris. See, and she was unable to even pay a $40 vet bill. That's the thing. Like, I love my cat, but like what? animals getting sick, that's, that's, that's expensive. Dark. It is expensive. It's expensive. Like, shout out to y'all taking care of y'all animals, getting them a new hip. You know, <laughs> getting it's them a hard. getting them a new paw. It's hard. That's and I know it's because you love them, and you know. But when I have donated to friends who, uh, you know, were comedians and like were like, I got to pay this surgery bill for my dog, and I completely understand because I'm like, sheesh. I mean, you, we love them. We love our fur babies. But it's not a real baby, so then you're like, damn, I'm over here shelling out of these medical bills. <laughs> I know it's hard. That's why I mean, that's that's why you have to choose. I think you have to choose carefully. And I will tell you that after 11 years with my wonderful dog, Atticus, who passed in 2020. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it, no, it's OK. But it, the bills really added up. And I had to think long and hard before I got another one. Um, and that's why I got insurance. And that's why I got insurance, honestly, because it just. It's, hey, it, insurance. It, it, yeah, yeah. But I, there's not, I wouldn't have refused. That's the, pro, that's the thing. I don't know what I would have refused to pay for Atticus's health unless it was like, you know, terminal or, or 
right. something that was unnecessary. But it's hard to say no. It's hard to say no to that. Yeah, like if you wanted a BBL or something, like you didn't have to do that. But <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but 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 in all seriousness, like y'all be nice to your vets. I have a friend who's a vet. They have a very high suicide rate. Like if if your pet dies, it's it's most likely not the vet's fault. Like you can't go in there and rail on the vet. Okay, they're doing the best they can to save your your fur babies. Okay. Um, just a PSA. The more you know. So back to Lee. But in 1990, several years after the Lauder fiasco, Lee found a solution of sorts. Lee told NPR in a 2008 interview, it happened incrementally, like most evil things do. I don't know if I'll call faking letters evil, but go I don't off. think it's evil. Okay. I went to the library. Oh, the beginning of crime. The library. <laughs> And I was given a bunch of letters, which I should not have been given in a non-secure area. Okay, yeah, because they're letters. Like, whoever's working at the library ain't making enough money to give a fuck about you looking at some letters. They're like, here you go, bitch, go off. Like, <laughs> I'm going back to my, you know, desk to tell people to shh and get coffee. <laughs> so she took a few Fanny Bryce letters, stuck them in her sneakers, and sold them to a bookstore called Agracy on the east side of Manhattan. Quick context on Fanny Bryce. She was a 1920s and 30s American comedian, illustrated song model. What is an illustrated song model? I don't know what that is. Illustrated song model? That's three words that I've never seen in a sentence together. Yeah, those don't work. She drew songs. She was a model for songs. They drew her while they played the bops. Is song capitalized? Mm Mm-mm. Hmm. And so she was also a singer, theater, and film actress who made stage, radio, and film appearances. She was also the subject of the musical Funny Girl. Funny Girl. Yeah, that's right. That's Barbara Streisand. Wow. Well, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it's it. It's so sexist where they're like, damn, this bitch actually is funny. Let's write a musical about her because she's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, women aren't funny. We got to write a musical about her. It's undeniable. <laughs> So she sold letters for $40 a piece. For the first time in a long time, I had some jingle in my jeans, she said. Okay. (laughs) Well, all right then. Now, I think you want a little more than a jingle. I think you need a rustle of paper, but okay, jingle. We'll take it. Lee felt no guilt about the theft as the letters were from the realm of the dead. Doris and I were alive. True. After she sold a few letters, she discovered that she could increase their value if she improved the content. So she pulled out an old typewriter, and after the yours Fanny Bryce signature of a couple letters, she added a few sentences as a P.S. So she first started with just, like, seasoning the letter. So it was still a real right. letter. But she went and she she put some Lowry's on it. Mm-hmm. You know, she dipped it in some mumbo sauce and <laughs> and gave it to the girls. So I want like I want to know what these PSs are. It's like PS, I am very horny. Like what's this PS? <laughs> That's making the letter so spicy. Yeah, right. Still funny. P.S. I had a ate some last night. It was fun. <laughs> like what? What is making the letter tastier? I wonder. So what was before a forty dollar letter? She would sell for fifty to a hundred dollars a pop. After a time, Lee stopped selling letters, realized she had the power and ability to just forge creations of her own. So then she was like, well, fuck buying these boring-ass letters and just seasoning. I'm going to get out here and write my own. She's going to make her own. Her skills as a biographer and a researcher gave her a near-perfect ability to mimic the tone of authors that she was impersonating. Prominent figures of the past became fictionalized characters for her to mold on her typewriter. To add additional authenticity to her forages, Lee purchased other secondhand typewriters, tore out vintage paper from the backs of period journals and libraries, and typed them on them. 
And she scoured old publications for published letters from her subjects to mine idiosyncrasies and signatures. Wow, that that's a full-blown scam. Pulling out papers from books in libraries. Like, <laughs> that's real. That's some real effort. She in there. She's pulling oh. out papers from books in libraries. Oh, Al J. <laughs> Fucking up the whole Dewey Decimal System. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yank it out, pieces of paper. <laughs> They're like, oh, do you want to take that one, Lee? Are you going to rent that? Oh, no, no, no. I got everything I need. Also, like, by the way, go to an art supply store, get some paper, get some, like, old paper. You know, like, you don't need to rip them out from from the library. But I okay, love that all the crime happens in libraries. Okay, but if people are testing the paper for acidity and stuff, oh, yes. then it's not going to be as call. good as an old book. She's got to yep, go get right. the old shit. You're right. You're right. You're right. That's you true. know, yeah, she could have poured some tea on it and put it in the oven, but it's not going to hit. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So is that the way to do it? You put tea on it? Is that, that's a thing, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're in seventh grade. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But this, I'm like, uh, you know, I think that was good. I, I like that. So she ended up acquiring so many typewriters that she had to rent out a storage locker to store them, as well as a, label them with names such as Humphrey Bogart and Noel Coward as a reminder of which to use. So she really did her research. Mm-hmm. Like, she was like, what kind of typewriter would they have? What would the J's look like? What would the L's look like? Does it scroll all the way when you hit it? Like, she <laughs> she really, I mean, she was working hard for $40, $50. She devoted, $100? yeah. Sis, you need to up That is price. a lot of work for that much, yeah. So, when she went to Byers, Lee touted a story about a dead cousin who left her a large number of letters. The autograph dealers were spectacularly incurious. Hmm. So the content of the letters was interesting enough to have considerable value, but mundane enough not to attract the attention of suspicious scholars. Over a period of three years, Lee forged over 400 letters. Wow. So, also tying back thematically in this episode to the beginning, (laughs) too much homosexuality caused problems. Jesus. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. When does it not? <laughs> and books. Another. We're, we're circling back to the library. Right. Like, what? So Lee's Noel Coward letters were some of her most popular and convincing work, but these were the letters that began the beginning to the end. Noel Coward context. Noel Coward was a gay English playwright, composer, director, actor, and singer known for his wit and flamboyance, and his plays included Private Lives and Blythe Spirit, which is one of my favorite plays. Um, mm. I played Madame Cardi in competition theater in Texas. Love it. And I won Best Actress. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I love me some. And I see Angela Lansbury. Shout out. Um, wow. I guess this is my theater nerds coming out. This has never happened. So, Lee said, It was a very good coward. It was better coward than coward. Coward didn't have to be coward. I had to be coward and a half. That's what she said. Several of Lee's letters were even published. And so, you call yourself better than Noel Coward says. Nobody else said this. <laughs> well, if she says it. It's giving Kanye. It's like, I'm the greatest. You know, I had yes. to be greater than the great. Okay. So several of Lee's letters were even published in the letters of Noel Coward in, two, in 2007, over a decade after Lee was caught for her crime. So they were like, these are still cute. Like, <laughs> we'll publish them. 
However, she became a little too bold with Coward's nods to homosexuality and the casualness of the Uh-oh. language he used during the time period when homosexuality oh was a jailable offense. Okay. This so Lee herself again. is also a queer woman. She's gay. So she she may have dipped a toe a little too deep. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Just ask a friend, Lee. Ask a friend. Hey, y'all, it's me, No Coward. <laughs> I saw a young gent at the pub. My ass pulsated. Like, wait, like, how far did you go? How far did you go? She went, she went, she went there. So this put buyers on high alert. And soon after, a dealer found an acronistic seal on several Dorothy Parker letters that he bought from Lee. He contacted Lee and demanded $5,000 in exchange for not testifying against her in front of a grand jury. So he's also a scammer. He was like, bitch, I know these letters are fake, but we could keep the, like, we keep this on the low. Wow. For the, the low price of $5,000. Wow. And here's the thing about bribes. You can't ever let anybody bribe you because once you start the bribe, when does the bribe end? Right. How, how You can't guarantee that a secret lasts forever. Like they might next time they eat another 5K be like, hey, girl, it's me again, your briber. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you have a good Tuesday. Uh, Pick just, me up where you left off. <laughs> With bribes. Right. Um, so, yeah, actually, um, my AC broke, and the heating and repairman <laughs> said it's going to be a smooth 8000 I got an HVAC. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think blackmail is, like, a clean beginning and end. You know, it's not finite. No. When does it end? And people who blackmail folks, here's the thing. The only way to do blackmail, in my opinion, is if you have a physical piece of evidence that you are willing to trade for the monetary amount. That way, both of y'all are at peace. There's no copies, all of that. However, I just think if you try to blackmail people, some people will be like, well, I guess I got to kill you now. Like, but also don't. But also, if you're blackmailing somebody with some sort of object that can in some way or form be replicated, then you never really know that yours is the only copy. And that's why yeah. I never buy that in like, I never really buy that in like movies and stuff where it's like, this is, this is the, you promise is the last, the only copy. Right. Yes, I promise. Okay. The end. Like, Thanks no, so there's much. No, Here's that's money. It. That, that, no, anything that's, that just can't work that way. No. It's forever. I'd be in fear for the rest of my life. Blackmailers are honestly the boldest scammers because yes. I would never blackmail anybody for anything because my fear is they're going to be like, well, we can, all right, get the Like, we got to go do a murder. Like, right, you know, right. that's the only way to end blackmail. <laughs> yeah, to make you, to make you, keep you quiet forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> Have you sleep and snoozing with the catfish. That's sleeping right. with the, with the goddamn crabs yeah, and the lobsters. Like, blackmail is forever. It just is. <laughs> Diamonds are forever, but blackmail is forever. <laughs> like, no, no, don't do it. So, with such threats, Lee stopped fabricating fictional letters, though she did not end her foragey career. Okay, you got to pivot. Good scammer. She went back to stealing. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> From what? Libraries, probably. Oh, my God, this this woman in the library. So this time, institutions such as Yale, Harvard, Princeton, and the New York Public Library, she went in there and started ganking them. Which she I don't chose, know. like, the, the hottest spots, too. They got the best loot. <laughs> the hottest loot. literary spots. <laughs> they got the best loot. Yeah, you, well, you'd think she would, like, fly under the radar, at least try. 
So she'd go in, examine letters, and figure out how to create the perfect forgeries of them. Then she'd go home, create her replica, and return to the replace the real letter with her fake. An old bartending acquaintance named Jack Hawk then fenced the letters for Lee. She later discovered Hawk was keeping more than his fair share. Another contributing factor to Lee eventually getting caught. Okay, of course Jack was keeping more than his fair share. What do you think this is? He's the middleman. Of course, that's right. You met him in a bar, sis. (laughs) (laughs) You met somebody in a bar. Y'all had some whiskey needs. And you said, hey, do you want to help me do robbery? What do you think? If he said absolutely, (laughs) yes, he's going to rob you. He's not your cousin. He's not the homie. Like, oh my god. He's not your husband. Where you could be like Jack. What did you? What you bring home tonight? Like, oh my god. It's true. Uh, yeah. Oh god. Wild. So still, the scheme struggled on until David H. Lorenzhurst, an author and or excuse me, an autograph dealer in New York, discovered that an Ernest Hemingway letter he had been sold was actually a part of a Columbia University collection. So here's the thing about old stuff. You know, Tiffany Diamond. Like, let's get, you know, all the things. All these collections are things that have been looted. And then you put it in a museum, you're like, look at what I stole. And I put it in a nice box, and it's got good lighting, and it's going to stay preserved. Y'all come in here and pay a nominal fee to take a picture next to the thing that I stole. Because, like, how can you own something that somebody else made and they're gone? Yeah, well, why do you want that? Because you got to get the girls in to... To take a look at it. <laughs> look, I went and looked at Mona Lisa's old little ass. And I'm yeah. like, this is it? This is it. For real? Yeah, that was small. That is a smaller piece than you'd expect. It's small as hell and dusty. Okay? Yeah. it. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's the thing about museums. It's like, there are museums that are really fun and thoughtful and, like, engaging in, in, in a different way. I'm not even talking about, like, avant-garde art or experimental art. It's just, like, the way a museum lays it can be laid out. And then there's just... Like, there's just parts of the Natural History Museum in New York that are dusty. It's just dusty and old. And it's like, I, well, who cares? And so I, much I, I of just, it is theft. They'd be like, this came from the tribes. So <laughs> give it back to the tribes. <laughs> right. What do you mean this came from? Then y'all stole it. That's that's the favorite scammer word of, of old, uh, you know, colonial thieves. Discovered. We discovered this in the hands of a brown person and we yanked it away from them. Like, what are you talking about? Y'all didn't discover this shit. Like, can, it, it, like, and when does discovery end? I think I would be less upset with discovery if I could go next door to my neighbor's apartment and discover some of their shit. Like, when, when do we <laughs> say discovery ends? I don't know if there's a point. Do I have to dig it up? Do they have to be dead? Do they have to be old? Can I go to the nursing home and discover, you know, your auntie's <laughs> pearls? Like, where where does it... When does discovery stop and theft end? Or, you know, yeah, theft begin? things just show up somehow. They just show up. Right. Like, I'll put your, shit, I'll put your Chanel bag in a glass box and keep it in good lighting. Can I discover it now? <laughs> I would love to discover things. Cheaper. Cheaper than buying. <laughs> So, from there, the FBI finally caught up to Lee and her associate and were able to uncover more of her forgeries. The F, the B, and the I were... Look. Sometimes we have episodes where the FBI gets involved, like our coupon episode that recently came out. And I'm like, FBI, y'all don't got more important things to do. This? You're staking out libraries? Again, it all just goes back to libraries for me. You staking out libraries, post offices, like <laughs> McDonald's with my coins, with my tax the post money. Office. 
Right. Like, y'all better be defusing a bomb somewhere, bitch. What? <laughs> we got too many people in the FBI. If y'all got enough agents to go out here and start looking at some paper. <laughs> right. <laughs> going after her. Going after her. Like, what? what is this? How does this help anyone? Like, oh, you got paper that wasn't real. Oh, you got wine that was fake, like the Rudy Kirkendall scam. Like, wine, paper, coupons. Why? Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's, what do they call it? Um, white collar crimes? Yeah, Is that a white collar crime? Yes. Ugh. Defund the FBI. Y'all got too much money and too many resources if this is what y'all doing with y'all goddamn time. <laughs> I thought y'all was like Olivia Pope is scandal. I thought y'all was supposed to be B613. I thought y'all was supposed to be stopping global terrorism or something. Y'all over here looking at paper. It's a library. Y'all at the library. <laughs> like, like instead of getting a card at the li- the city library, y'all flash the FBI badge. We here on official business. What? It's a library. Yeah, they got too much time on their hands. I what? <laughs> Bitch, y'all staking out Barnes and Noble. This is ghetto. So the FBI gets involved, the FBI and the I, and they finally catch up to Lee and her associate. I guess they probably went to the bar <laughs> down the street. They found, yeah, right. And they were able to uncover her forgeries as well as return the real letters to their proper homes. Proper homes. Yeah, li- again, another, more libraries. So she pleaded guilty to one count. Like, honestly, like, she rewrote the letter. So it's not like y'all couldn't read what it said. Like, it's... <laughs> What else are you horny for? You think some dead skin cells of Noel Coward on it? Like, you don't rub it on your nipples? Like, what? If you could read the letter, you could read the letter. Who cares? Right. It's like a textbook. You know how many things in the textbook are copied? Well, one, are lies. And also are copied from original documents. I've never touched the real Declaration of Independence, nor do I want to. Have I read the bitch? Yes. Because <laughs> you had to. And I was never like, oh, wish I could rub myself on this, the real one. I want to see John Hancock in person. What? Like, <laughs> who cares? Like, what does that do for you? Yeah. Boring. So she pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to transport stolen property across state lines for profit in 1993 and was sentenced to six month house arrest with five years probation. Did you say, what'd you say? House arrest? Six months house arrest. Wow. Which I'm glad that they didn't. I'm it, house arrest still costs the city money, but I'm glad that they didn't put her in jail because that costs us even more money. But yeah, also, like, true. what does this probation entail? Do you have to do community service? Are you not allowed at libraries anymore? They got a picture of your face up, you know, at the New York I wonder Public. If she like, even made money off the movie. She must have because she sold the book. She wrote the book. Oh, okay. So she so she, she probably have, had to sell the rights. <laughs> so she probably spent house arrest writing the book that so that she only made money. I love that for her. I hope that's what she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in addition to the probation, Lee was also barred from many libraries. <laughs> <laughs> Sis can't get a library the card. The ultimate punishment. <laughs> they said reading is fundamental, but not for you, bitch. <laughs> You're never going to flip a page again. You're never going to have the joy of smelling a book that's been in so many people's homes. You're never going to feel that soft plastic on the outside of the book that's keeping it intact. You'll never know these joys again. Can she go to Barnes & Noble? Those yeah, are right. new books. Let's go to a bookstore. It's also the internet. Is she There's banned on Kindle? Resources. Yeah, she, right. She can't buy a Kindle. She can't use the Nook. Amazon Prime was like, bitch, log off. <laughs> can't have none of these books. So after 
her sentencing, she went to work uh, as a copy editor for Scholastic. So she still got oh jobs. God. Jobs, jobs. She still got jobs. Wow. I mean, she's talented. She's obviously a very good writer. And a good so, scammer. Right. And so in 2008, I'm sure Scholastics isn't like, let's check into your history as a book thief. They don't give a fuck. You know, they just trying to make that book fair coin. Did you ever go to a book fair? Did you have that in school? Yeah, I think we had. I loved the book fair. My mom would give me cash. I'd Mm. go in there, ball out on some Junie B. Jones, Mm. you know. Yeah. I loved a book fair. Buy a ruler that I never measured shit with. Weren't those, like, thrown by the, like, Scholastic, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the book publisher? Yeah, those were fun. It was a scam. They were like, let, uh, we'll give y'all a cut. Let us set up in y'all school and get get these books for these these little babies. (laughs) And I fell for it because you also got to get out of class. And that was like the real allure of the book oh, fair. Yeah. We wow. were like, oh, we get to skip class. I'll be in there looking at everybody like, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> highlights? <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I tried to stay out of class as long as possible. So, I mean, okay. So Lee wrote in her memoir, the forged letters were larky and fun and totally cool. They weren't cool, girl. They were probably fun for you, but none of this cool. is cool. It's very boring. Not cool, no. Not I'm very... snoozing. I'm hitting snooze. Uh, I still consider the letters to be my best work. I was better writer as a forager than I'd ever been as a writer. Okay, so you were like a cover band for old people letters. <laughs> you found her niche. <laughs> very specific niche. Yes. In 2014, Lee Israel died of complications from melanoma, a cancer of plasma cells. Um, or is, I'm sorry, that's melanoma. excuse me. Um, at age 75, her obituary, the lead FBI investigator on her case, Carl Burrell, called brilliant. Did she write her own joint? <laughs> that was her final piece? She, like, wrote her own? She was like, her, Lee, her obituary? a bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Queen of the typewriter. <laughs> like, I, I love it. And also, like, FBI, y'all was, why are you reading her obituary? Yeah, what are you, what are you doing there? Y'all were the, y'all were really obsessed. Boring. So though many of her fakes have been recovered, the FB and the I admits that many are likely still in circulation. Ooh. <laughs> Very spooky. Very spooky, honey. Very spooky. Okay, Lee. Uh, good for you, I guess, child. <laughs> and she pulled it off. And yeah. she didn't get punished. She probably would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for that pesky bar Jack. That's right. <laughs> I imagine Jack going into the bookstore, like, lit off, like, uh, six beers and seven whiskey shots. He's like, hey, I got, I got a letter for you guys. <laughs> and they're like, okay, Jack. And he's like, uh-huh. yeah, I got this from my cousin. He was friends with uh, George Abraham. Excuse me. When uh, Lincoln, Washington. Anyway, th- they like to have anal sex. Y'all want it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> All right, Lee. You know, if it was fun for you, then I'm happy for you. It was a gas. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back for the saddest segment of the show, which is where I have to let Elliot go. Scammer of the week. Robbery! Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. 
Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. And it's time for Scammer of the Week. This is where we highlight one honorary charlatan group of thieves, you know, band of miscreants. We don't know. Um, maybe we like them, maybe we hate them. Let's see. So Scammer of the Week is about people who were busted by the authorities in a racket involving corrupt doctors and lawyers using hundreds of unhoused individuals in a $31 million trip and fall scheme that ran from January 2013 to April of 2018. Five years. Wow. The scheme generated over $20 million in lawsuit settlements from convincing desperate individuals who feigned to trip and fall, like they did faked trip and fall accidents. Uh Two lawyers and two doctors were charged in the Manhattan federal court for part of the scam that involved convincing people to undergo needless surgeries in order to boost the value of lawsuits. Wow. Seeking compensation for fake accidents. Ooh. Yikes. Yikes. Unnecessary surgery. One of the lawyers, Mark Elephant. He was 49, and the doctor, Andrew Dowd, 45, and Sadie Ribeiro, 51, have been arrested and are awaiting court appearances. Another lawyer, George Constantine, 58, is expected to surrender soon. So he's just chilling. they like, he said he's going to come in on the, on the 5th. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets to decide. He got some surgeries on the books, so, you know, COVID really had the hospital bag. We just, he going he, he gonna to come. <laughs> He'll be there eventually. I want this privilege. Like, I thought when it was time for you to go to jail, the girls just came and got you. <laughs> I'm like, ah, get to jail. Listen, I'm running a little bit late for jail. I'm performing another unnecessary surgery today. Yeah. I'm going to probably be there in like 20 or 30 days. <laughs> I need some runway. It's a lot of traffic out here, so I'm, I'm just, you know, running late. For jail. Constantine reportedly collected more than $5 million in legal fees, while Dowd, an orthopedic surgeon, earned $9,500 per surgery and performed hundreds of knee and shoulder surgeries on fall victim patients. Now, if you're getting an unnecessary surgery, are they are they at least giving you some bionic shit? Like some... <laughs> are they like, we're going to add a couple plates in your knees just to get it popping or some extra cushion? Like, what are you doing in this surgery? Are you yeah, cutting that's on the them? scary part. What could be going on there? We're talking is, bones. Right. Is it like you just put them under anesthesia and then you give them a little st- scar and put some stitches on? Like, what? And also, I'm still concerned with these unhoused people. Like, are they a part of this? Are they getting coined from it? Because... Mm. So, My guess is no. Participants in the scheme recruited more than 400 people to either claim they had fallen where no accident occurred or to deliberately fall at New York City locations where they could claim there were cracks in the concrete sidewalks, potholes, or unsecured cellar doors, which those things do exist in New York. They do. That's right. So lawyers then filed suits claiming the owners were at fault for negligence, so now they're going after business owners. The individuals recruited to act as victims were almost entirely unhoused or extremely poor people and would often ask for food when they appeared for meetings with their lawyer. Oh, no. (laughs) They wanted food. Oh, no. 
Charges against the lawyers and doctors involved um, include multiple counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, mail fraud. Each count carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. Y'all belong under the jail, and I don't even believe in the carceral system. You? Mm. I could have maybe. <laughs> I could have maybe empathized. If the unhoused or the poor people were getting a major cut of this money. Yes. But instead, y'all going out here not even really offering a Subway sandwich or, or a sweetie <laughs> meal from McDonald's. And these people are tripping and falling and doing your dirty work. And you're not even breaking them off some coin. Like, if y'all are making millions of dollars, a few thousand, hundred thousand dollars could be life-changing for these people. And y'all not going to give them a cut? And these scammers are already making money as doctors and lawyers. Right, y'all already are in lucrative careers. And, like, that's what bothers me about this. Y'all already really privileged. Like, yeah, it costs a lot of money to go through medical school, residency, malpractice insurance, all that shit. Lawyer, you know, go to law school, etc. Yeah. But you're still making way more money than these people. You're exploiting them and you're not even paying them. Yeah, that's that's insane. That's actually nuts. I don't have anything here about the unhoused people or the poor people being charged. Uh, so, you know, there might be a follow up. Maybe I'll drop it uh, on the Instagram. But I hope that they're not being charged, especially because they didn't get anything out of this. They were pawns in y'all's greedy ass fucked up scheme. Damn. It's messed up. That's really fucked up. And y'all doing unauthorized surgeries, unnecessary I mean, it's so, surgeries. It's so messed up. I mean, the idea of like getting together to plan this out and put the scam together and then go making people go under the knife. Like what? And you know, it's fake. What, what, like what a waste. I, and again, I'm just like, why waste your time doing this? Like how much, how much money could you be making? How much more money could you be making with this scam than what you're already making as doctors and lawyers? And you're preying on people's desperation. These people don't have any money. And, like, obviously, none of them thought of blackmail. <laughs> obviously. Because, I mean, it's a risky sport. But uh, I'm just, I'm flummoxed. That's that. Uh, I, I'm not for this scam. The scam sucks. You guys suck. Um, but, guys, that is our episode. We always ask Elliot, where do you want to be found? Where do I want to be found? Like, on the internet or, like, in the world? On the internet, if you want to be found <laughs> in the world, but like you know, the internet. You can follow me at Elliot Glazer on all platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and watch iCarly season two when it comes out. Yes, because he's in the room, <laughs> boo, and also your podcast. One yes, more time. please. That's you're called make- you're making it worse. That's right. Yes, you're making it worse, guys. Get into it. it's a really great podcast. I had a lot of fun doing it, guys. As always, snitch on your friends and family at scamgoddesspod at gmail.com. Just make sure your scam is retired. We don't want to what? Yes, fuck up your bag. If you want to follow us on all platforms, scam goddess pod. If you want to see the photos and things that we're talking about, maybe I'll even post a picture of me with the Mona Lisa. Um, <laughs> it's sad. And, <laughs> and if you want to follow me, D I V A L A C I D V A L A C I on all platforms, guys, pod swag, the merch is cute. Get into it. Go on there slash scam goddess. And as always, guys, if you like the podcast, give us five stars. It's free. It's free to do. And it's great for me. And tell a friend. Congregation, stay scheming. Scam goddess. This has been an Earwolf production in association with Team Coco. Scam Goddess stars and is hosted by me, Lacey Mosley, a.k.a. Scam Goddess. It's produced by Judith Cargbo, engineered by Marina Pais, and researched by Kaylin Brandt. Stay scheming! Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., 
a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.